Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest-running hiking podcast downloaded over three-quarters of a million times in over 160 countries and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. We're your hosts, Tim and Jewel Savage, coming to you from Ngunnawal and Ngambri country. This is episode 250 of the Australian Hiker Podcast. And in this week's episode, we bring you the second in our series of industry interviews from the recent Outdoor Adventure Expo. We hope you enjoy. Before we get into today's episode, if you'd like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, by subscribing on your podcast host of choice so that each episode is available as soon as it's published. And if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review. Another way to support us is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. In episode 249, we brought you the first of the series of interviews at the recent visit to the Australian Outdoor Adventure Expo in Sydney. These last interviews take into account two suppliers, the first being Osprey Packs uh, and the second being Marmot. To get the best of this interview, we recommend that you go to the show notes for episode 250 on the Australian Hiker website and follow along looking at the photos that we've taken of the products that we're talking about. So now I'd like to welcome Dave Casey from Outdoor Agencies to talk about Osprey Packs. Okay, so we're here with Dave Casey from Outdoor Agencies, and Outdoor Agencies are one of those companies that has a lot of brands in their stables, but today we're particularly talking about Osprey Packs, like we had done in the last couple of years, just to see what's new or what's coming up in the Osprey range. So Dave, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. No problems at all, Tim. Thanks for having me. Okay, so what uh, is coming onto the market as far as Osprey is concerned uh, that we need to keep an eye out for? Yeah, I guess good timing to catch up. Um, it's the start of our winter season, so over the next few weeks, three to four weeks, um, there'll be quite a few new packs starting to hit our retailers in Australia. Um, and the majority of those are aimed at your bushwalker, hiker, backpacker, um, use your adjective um, end user who's wanting to get out there during the winter or Easter season as well. So it's good timing that you've popped through. All right. So, okay, so we've, we've had a look at a brief look before the start of this interview. So we'll uh, have a look at the key hiking packs that are, are changing over this season. And the first of those is in the Atmos family of packs. So what's new as far as Atmos is concerned? Yeah, thanks. Um, the Atmos and Aura um, AG have been staples in the market for, and for our customers for many, many years ago. Um, very well loved. Um, but there has been the odd person who was like, ah. Oh, there's lots of features, but I don't need all those features. I'm not a user who likes to have a pocket in the bottom of the bag to get into that sleeping bag through that way. They want to shed a few things um, and see them superfluous to their needs. So a slightly lighter version of the Atmos Nora has been redesigned or designed. Um, very uniquely named the Atmos Aura um, LT for light, um, not very unique there, but it sort of tells it how it is. So it's a bag which they've stripped away a few of the features, um, that pocket through the bottom to get to your sleeping bag, um, still has a few pockets externally for water bottles and raincoats and so forth to go in and still natural that pocket on the hood. Um, and it's a slightly lighter harness as well, so the idea of carrying up to the high teens into the low 20s sort of weight and sort of pushing the friendship of the bag of the original um, Atmosora AG um, using a few different methods of being able to bring the harness down to be a little bit lighter and for that slightly lighter base weight as well and sort of closer to the mid-teens. By doing that they've been able to shed the weight by around about 10% um, and that brings a 65 litre bag to be a sub 2 kilo bag so it's about 1.92 kilos. Um, Alright, no, I think that's good. Now from memory I think my older version of the Atmos uh, uh, 50 litre pack that I've got I think was about 1.9 kilos yep. so basically that's um, it's it's shifting the larger bag down to that lighter sort of weight now. That's right the larger, exactly right there and then that 50 litre version you're shedding about 200 grams more off that so you're looking closer to 1.7 um, and I guess when it starts every game or every ounce counts um, so if you can lose a bit of weight there um, and lose some features which you may not need um, that's always a good thing. 
And it's still got that Atmos uh, suspension system that sort of tends to hug the body? Yeah, it's still got the anti-gravity harness. So it's that style of harness that people love the Atmos Denora for. Um, hugs the body, suspended harness, which has some really good ventilation as well. Um, so all those things are still what you love. Um, just a slightly lighter version of that harness. So naturally, it's not designed to carry as greater weights, um, but it's not intended to use for those larger sort of pushing into teens, high teens weights. Now, just looking at the packs sitting here in front of us on the wall, uh, there looks like, what's that at the very bottom of the pack? There's a little blue tab. Uh, is that a rain jacket in there? or is it? Um, that's tucked in the bottom. I'd say 90% of our packs these days um, come with an integrated rain cover. So that sort of tucks in the bottom there in a small little pocket. And that just sort of folds out and goes over the bag if you're caught out in grim weather. Um, and it keep the bag a bit drier. Um, and also, naturally, people can use a pack liner of various sorts as well, as well if you want to really want to make sure you're your contents are really well kept dry but yeah all right so basically the uh, what it means is even though you're you're talking about the pack weight there is the pack weight that includes the rain cover as well that's correct yeah yep yeah okay uh, and color range on the atmos lt and aura lt range yeah got a i guess a number of colors in the range um majority tend to be more the who's hues of greens and blues for men and some sort of more uh, maroni sort of style colours and some teals for women as well um, but there's a few colours there and then naturally there's also a darker sort of black slash grey colour that's there as well for people who want to be a bit more incognito um, but there's also some brighter colours as well if you want to sort of look good in photos as well. <laughs> Okay. Now, from moving on from there, from the Atmos, we also have some changes to the Exos pack range. Now, I've been a big fan of Exos packs. Uh, I own three Exos packs at the moment, which is the three previous versions of the Exos range, uh, and, and always tend to come back to those as my go-to sort of pack in most cases, uh, unless I'm starting to carry heavier loads. So what's the new pack in the Exos slash uh, EGA range that, that's coming out? Yeah, so we've got a, a pro version of that. So we've had the pro um, range of bags in the Talon Tempest and some of our mountain bike impacts have a pro version as well. Um, I guess the idea of the pro version of Exos Asia is a lighter weight. So it's, again, stripped a few of the features. It's a one volume, so 55 litres for both men and women. Um, it's definitely... Focus um, is fitting uh, through hikers' needs in the US as well. Um, a bear canister fits in the bottom perfectly and so forth. Um, but again, that sort of volume is arguably a, a very um, versatile volume as well for users both in Australia and US and everywhere around the world. Um, by using a, the Nanofly fabric, which is a lighter weight fabric um, and a slightly tweaked harness as well, we've managed to shave 20% off the weight um, and that's able to bring the bag down to be um, sub one kilo, so it's 980 grams for a 55 bag. All right, so and, that, and that's, uh, I think from memory, my current version of the Osprey uh, Exos pack, which is, I think, is about 1.29 approximately kilos. So this is saving, um, it's getting a slightly bigger volume, but saving about 300 grams over the, over the, the standard uh, Exos pack. That's right, yeah, and we're not sacrificing durability. So that Nanofly fabric is a very durable hardware and fabric, just very lightweight. Um, it's a little bit see-through. I can look here. I can see the red tape of the compression strap that's internally um, through the fabric, so there's no secrets what you're carrying, um, but it's something that's designed about being durable but still lightweight and still a number of external shelf pockets for those who want to carry a raincoat. Some people like to carry the fly of their tent or water bottles externally. Um, all those features are still there. Um, and you can still remove the hood off the bag and has the little storm flap that goes over so I can really strip the bag down to be a nice little sub 50 kilo, so sub 50 litre volume as well if you're sort of going lighter and tighter as well. Okay, now I think one other feature or one other change to help reduce the weight is there's one hip belt pocket, I believe. That's right. We've got one zippered hip belt, hip belt pocket and the other hip belt pocket's more just a, a stretch um, elasticised pocket on top to keep the contents in there. So things like muesli bars and so forth, you can probably pop in the um, stretchy non-zipper pocket and then things you want a bit more secure, pop them in that sort of right pocket from memory, that's the zipper pocket and then you sort of can secure your contents there. They haven't gone down the avenue of stripping those pockets away because I guess there's a lot of people who love a hip belt pocket myself included um, and um, I think we wouldn't have great feedback if we removed them fully so having that option there still is there. 
Okay, and they're, and they're a very good-looking pack. Now, they come in one colour only on the um, uh, the Exos and the Eja, or do they the, the male and female versions varying in the colours? Uh, they're basically the same colour. Both are grey colour, that nanofly fabric, um, and the women's has a, some sort of redder scents, some sort of red pop here and there. Um, and then the Exos, the male version, has those sort of few blue accents as well, just to make it more than just a, a straight grey bag. Um, but they've sort of kept it pretty simple. Of It's a, it's a grey nanofly fabric. Okay. Okay, so from here, we're going on to the Manta Mira range of packs. So what's changed on those? Because that's, that's a pack that I'm not really that familiar with. Yeah, I guess the Manta Mira is quite similar to the Stratus and Cirrus, which I think, Tim, yourself use quite a bit. Um, so it's aimed at a either mid-20s or mid-30-litre, depending on what you're needing, um, where you're doing either Camino Trail, Refugio to Refugio, or accommodation to accommodation, and not needing carry stove a tent in the works you're sort of moving your way through that way or supported trekking in nepal or south america where again you don't need to carry everything on your back you've got someone to help you along the way there um it comes with an integrated reservoir um so you've basically got something there that fits it's got adjustability in the harness length so you can get a really fine adjustment to fit your body really well um and then all the features that work really well um, for that sort of, like I said, supported hiking. Um, you could definitely still use it just for hiking in Australia. There's nothing stopping you to do that. Um, but it's definitely a very, very popular bag um, because of its features that it has for that supported trekking. We're not needing to carry the world, the integrated rain cover, and et cetera. Okay, now moving on from the the packs in general, there's another thing that uh, you are doing or Osprey is doing which sounds quite exciting, uh, and that's the extended fit packs. So tell us a bit about that as a functionality change with some of your packs. Yeah, thank you. Um, the extended fit has been, I guess, an adjustment to the, the harness sizing. Um, majority of our customers find they can fit our hiking backpacks and our overnight backpacking backpacks comfortably but there's still a market out there that either one get outdoors they found the outdoors over the last few years of covid less travel and so forth um and their body is a little bit bigger and they can't quite fit a hiking backpack or it doesn't fit them as well as it should um and they aren't enjoying the experience as well um so osprey is brought into the range some extended fit pack packs um i guess very simply they still use the same torso length in the harness but the hip belt and the shoulder straps have um, extra length to them so they can fit larger waists and larger torsos and larger chests and so forth um, so it gives that new or it could be a hiker who's been in the who's been hiking or bushwalking for many many years those never redefined a backpack that fits well um, that sort of experience of what a lot of other people will be able to have that a comfortable backpack which supports the that fits the body properly Okay, so in relation to the, the packs we've discussed and the extended fit, when can we expect to see those on the Australian market? Yeah, they'll be released as well over the next few weeks. Um, we're sort of focused on four packs in the range at the moment. Um, for the overnight hiking, there's the Aether and the Aerial, which are your large sort of volume, 65 litre bags, and also the Vault Viva, which is a bit more one-size-fits most with that extended fit harness. Um, and then also for your day hiking, there's the Talon Tempest 22, which has that extended fit and a smaller bag called the Sportlight. So it's sort of got that good and better options there, um, depending on what the budget or your needs are um, for extended fit. So it can fit everyone from a multi-day overnight hike through to day walking with friends and family. So it's good. have got some a good number of options there and it will be available over the next, I'd say, next three to four weeks in the stores in Australia. Okay, so that's good. You know, we, we won't have too much long to wait. It's always hard when you see something come out and you think, oh, I've got to wait 12 months to see it. But it sounds like we're, we're almost there. So uh, this podcast will go to air early March. So we're looking probably around about the April mark by the sound of it? Yeah, probably late March, early April. You'd be pretty comfortable to get to your local store that has Osprey and see some of these bags. Not every store has every bag. Naturally, the space in some stores is a little bit limited. Um, and our online partners as well in Australia, they will all have those bags online as well if you you don't have a local store as well so um some of them may need a bit more hunting to find but they definitely have those available over the next few weeks okay that's great so we've been talking to dave casey from outdoor agencies thanks very much for taking the time to chat with us thanks tim thanks for coming cheers i always love talking to dave casey from outdoor agencies about Osprey packs. 
It doesn't seem to matter when it is. Osprey always seems to have something new and exciting coming onto the market. So in this case here, there are four key things we talked about in this interview. The first was the Osprey Aura LT range, which is a lighter version of the very good or very well-selling uh, Osprey Atmos and Aura packs. And this just takes these well-known packs and strips back some of the features that people don't necessarily need. And in my case... I do not use the bottom zip pocket on a pack. Uh, I've typically got a pack liner inside, so it, it renders that feature uh, unusable. Uh, so to, to see that bottom pocket taken out, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, and I think it's also given a lighter weight pack, but still maintaining a lot of the really good features that makes this pack one of their best-selling uh, products on the market. The next range we talked about was the new Exos and Eja Pro Packs. Uh, and these packs, when you sort of look at them and talk to Dave about them, they were very much designed for the US long distance hiking market. And they're designed to take a bear canister, which was required in some areas of the States. And this pack is a 55 litre pack. So rather than being a 48 or a 58, which is coming in the standard Osprey, Eja and Exos packs, this sort of sits somewhere in the middle. But you end up with a pack that is sitting just below one kilo in weight and carries comfortably round about that 16 and a half to 18 kilos uh, of capacity. Uh, so even if you don't necessarily need to get that full bulk, and for me, 55 litres is probably more than I, I need in most cases, what it means is I can cinch it down, or potentially I could remove the, um, the pack brain and just get away with the, the basic pack itself. So it's a good-looking pack. It's a pack that I think will sell very, very well. Uh, and again, I'm looking forward to having a good play with this one at some point. The next range of packs that we talked about is one that I'm not really familiar with in the Osprey range, and that was the Manta and Mira range, which comes in a 20-ish and a 30-ish size uh, the options. Uh, so again, it's a new pack for me. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what these are like and what these test out as. Um, there is no end of packs in the 20 or, for that matter, the 30-litre range, and it really is what do you need this pack for? And, and Dave was saying certainly with the uh, these packs, they tend to be aimed at things like the Camino where you've got a supported hike and don't need a huge capacity uh, but want a bit of load carrying a, a pack with a, a bit of features on them as well. And finally, we talked about the extended fit option that's coming through on some of their packs. I think with just about any pack manufacturer worldwide, uh, they tend to manufacture their packs for the average hiker, whatever that happens to mean. Uh, so I think you know, if you fall outside the average, in this case here where they're talking about extended fit, um, having uh, a bit of extra girth around the shoulder region or having a bit of extra uh, girth around the mid-region, uh, you were often uh, lost the ability to use a lot of packs that were on the market. And by bringing an extended fit version, which gives you additional shoulder strapping and provides additional uh, sizing around the waist area, it opens up a very good range of packs to a wider range of clients. So I think that'll, again, it's it's, it's something that... Uh, it seems really obvious and really logical. Um, and while you know it, it may not be necessary that every hiker needs this sort of extended range capacity, I think there will certainly be a market there for it. One thing if you go through and have a look in the photos, uh, I've got a picture of the pack wall uh, at the Osprey uh, uh, Outdoor Agency's office. And Dave was actually saying if they included every pack in the range in every colour, it would fill up the entire walls of this room, all four of them. Uh, so again, there's a huge range of packs that they produce, pretty much something for everyone. In this second and final interview of this episode, we talked to Dan from Marmot Equipment. Marmot's one of those brands that many people will probably know for their excellent rain jackets, which Jill and I have been fans of for a number of years, but you may be surprised to know that they produce quite a wide range of equipment, including clothing, tents and sleeping bags. And in this episode, we find out a bit more about what they bring to the Australian market. 
Okay, so next we're talking to Dan from Marmot. Marmot is a brand that has been around for many years, and while some people are very much aware of it, it's not possibly as known, well known by everybody. So, Dan, thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Oh, thanks, Tim. Um, yes, Marmot, international brand, been around for, well, coming up, I think we're on our 50th year, actually. Um, based on the west coast of the US, just out of a small town called Santa Rosa, which is north of San Francisco. So uh, the classic home of the great outdoor brands. Uh, a lot of them have sort of hedged their way out of that part of the world. And um, historically, it's a brand that started as a club, funny enough. A um, couple of students at the university days in 74 thought they could make their own tents and sleeping bags and puffer jackets, and they got a bit of a name for themselves. And before they knew it, they uh, started the club, which turned into a brand, and opened a retail store um, but the name of the brand which is obviously synonymous with a little rodent that lives in the highlands of um, some of the US states and in Russia called the marmot um, when they were observing the marmots they noticed that um, no one really had a plan they were, had one leader no, they were all leaders so to be a part of the marmot club um, their aim was to climb any climbed uh, mountain peak uh, you would have to do it with another marmot so the marmot club grew and got bigger and bigger and bigger Um, there was no leaders because they all thought they were leaders so that's how it started anyway in 1974 they got a contract with Clint Eastwood's movie The Iger Sanction and they were requested to produce some puffer jackets the baseline puffer jacket required and being being entrepreneurial they thought they would take the contract even though they've never made that many jackets before but anyway they rolled them out and uh, was a success and 50 years later here we are um, now Marmot's evolved into you know mountains to the streets it's an expedition product that's um, made its way down to everyday active use so we make sleeping bags tents um, outerwear rainwear insulated jackets uh, right down to shorts and um, underwear and Marmot's evolved to be, you know, the top four North American outdoor brands uh, in the US. So, and globally, we've um, obviously stretched out to over 50 countries. So, it's a good product. It's based around technical, um, high performance, and fit for purpose. So, that's Marmot's kind of short story. Okay, and what's, uh, I believe, just having a chat to you before this interview, that they're also reasonably environmentally friendly in the way they produce their products? That's correct. Um, we've been using uh, recycled products or upcycled products. So we've taken you know, used garments or uh, fabrics and then upcycled it and turned it into a new product and put it into a, a raincoat or into a sleeping bag fabric or into a tent fabric. So Marmot's always had the philosophy that, you know, end of the day, the product they produce is designed for, for an outcome and it is used... Uh, and should be fit for purpose. So, yes, it needs to have an ability to perform in those environments, but also it still needs to be functional and and obviously have an environmental um, footprint that's not impacting on the planet as some brands do. Um, we recycle, we use recycled nylon in all our rainwear. We are PFC-free uh, treatments for our DWR treatments on the outer face in the fabrics. Um, Right through our nylons and uh, polyesters, you'll find that we have uh, been using recycled products for over 30 years. So, um, And also, Marmot was the first outdoor company to use Gore-Tex in the late 70s. Gore-Tex was only a product used in insulating cables for underground to protect them from rain. So Marmot saw the opportunity and put it into into action in a sleeping bag. So... um, you know we've been renowned for technology and utilizing i guess products that are not only safe for the environment uh, low impact on the environment but still coming out with a an outcome of function so um, all right that's good yeah so again marmota as i said it's a brand that uh, has been around for many many years but uh, it's sort of gathering strength and speed in australia so the first thing we're going to look at today is the range of tents so tell us about marmot tents and what they do so Marmot makes a range of tents, obviously right through from a 
backpack entry-level sort of uh, product, which still has the function of a high expedition tent, um, but in a slightly lower spec price orientated uh, configuration. Um, and one of, the cat- one of the categories we offer this in is called your standard backpack entry. Um, and there's a series of tents called the Catalyst. We do it in a two-person and a three-person. It is a dual-door entry um, with a HD pole set. And we use bathtub floors to protect you from water with a two-inch upturn. Uh, the seamless in that bathtub as well. Completely 100% tape seam sealed. Um, they're a real traditional two-season tent. Yep. Tim, so um, the aim here is to get people out using the back, uh, using a tent with a couple as an example. Um, easy entry, big um, inhabitable space on the inside. So we really focus on lifting the height of the tent. Um, when you get into a marmot tent, one thing you'll really notice when you sit inside a tent, and let's face it, the only time you should be in a tent is to go to sleep. But often you're stuck in a storm, and what happens? You end up being stuck in your tent, sheltering from the conditions. So when you're seated with your uh, in a seated tent on the ground, you want as much headspace as possible. Obviously, you don't want to be knocking your partner, or obviously you want to be having your head on top of the top of the uh, body of the tent. So we really focus on putting bends and pole structures in place that really elevate the head space of a tent. Um, and the catalyst at a sort of an entry point level at 479 retail, it does provide an enormous amount of internal space. And overall, the length of the tent would cater for someone in that 6566 um, length, so it's a very long tent. Um, packs down comes with a free footprint as well, so we include uh, a footprint as an additional uh, fabric that we, or essentially, it's a, a tent base that attaches to the main body of the tent and extends the life of the floor, especially when you're doing a long stay. If you're in a campground and you're there for multiple days and you're getting in and out of the tent, there's a lot of fabric moving between ground and and, um, the tent base, so it's important to have a little bit of extra protection. Well, that comes free with our tents as well. Um, Dual doorways, and that's the same in a three-person tent. Um, We also make sure a lot of the construction... All the corners are reinforced, double fabriced, and also box stitched. So we use a box stitch with a cross stitch in there, and that basically just reinforces the whole structure of the tent. And we use a dual tab, not a single tab, so it's pulling in two directions, not one. So we don't end up with a weak point. Um, and again, we've got to maintain weight, so we want to reduce as much weight as possible. So we use the lightest uh, clips and poles that are available for that price set. Um, being that it's only a $479 price point, you're going to get a lot of features, but you're obviously buying a tent that's slightly, a little bit heavier than, a, say, an ultralight version. Yep. Okay. All right. So moving up from the Catalyst, so that's your, um, well, I won't say base grade tent, but that's your entry level for people that want for a, ro- a, yep. a robust tent without necessarily uh, having to mortgage the house to purchase it. Correct. And ideal for a festival, someone that wants a tent they can reuse rather than being sliced and left at a festival, which tends to happen at those uh, some of these festivals nowadays. Um, you know, it's a fantastic product. And then from there, you move up to a range of tents called the Tungsten. Um, now, the Tungsten series is a similar kind of pulse set construction, but it goes to more of a three-season product. It goes to a three-season product where we have more material overall, protecting you from wind, and it's quite directional, so we can actually angle it into a windier uh, location because it's got a higher polyester fabric that rolls up above the head height. And then on the other side of the tent, you'll find there's more mesh, so we can allow more ventilation and more vapour to pass through it. So it becomes a really good three season all round tent. Um, it's called the Tungsten 1, 2, 3 and 4 uh, obviously the 1 is 1 person, 2 is 2 person and so on um, but the whole idea of the Tungsten series is price pointed it's mid price um, but you get just about all our features offered and from our ultralights right down to our um, entry catalyst range so it's a good all rounder, good footprint in a sense of space um, we're currently looking at a one-person tent in front of us now, which is ideal for those guys who are doing uh, bikepacking, 
uh, single trips, you know, they're on their own, they don't want to carry too much weight, they're kind of trying to compact everything into a smaller space in their backpack. So the one person uh, tungsten is a really good option for that, but obviously it's available in the larger sizes too. All right, and recommended retail, so just going back to the catalyst, you're saying the two-person catalyst is 4.79. Correct. What are we looking at in the two-person tungsten? Tungsten 2P is 5.99. Okay. So it goes up about $100, but you are gaining a lot more material. You're gaining a slightly different footprint in the sense of entry and exit, so it's slightly wider, longer than the catalyst, and the configuration is slightly different too. Uh, the catalyst has a particular pole that comes out on the brow that opens it up to a very square vertical wall, whereas the tungsten has two doors that are doing the same thing. So it's got a very vertical side entry um, point so on a very upright vertical uh, wall entry, so it makes it easy to get in and out of, but also keeps the weather away and keeps the fly, once tied, away from the in, uh, dripping into the main body of the tent. Um, we call it a traditional... Um, I guess it's called a traditional X-frame tent. And that's the term used for a tent that just has two poles that cross over each other. Um, but we have knee bends and pulled it into the, each end of the tent as well. And what the knee bends do, they come up about oh, 35 centimetres to 40 centimetres. They create a very square um, zone one. We, the zone one on the tent is where your head is. So when you're in the tent laying down and you need to lift your head up, you don't want your head hitting the back of the tent because that draws moisture through because obviously condensation builds up. So we create this very vertical head area which uh, sits around 40 centimetres above the ground and then it pitches into its natural curve of uh, what we call a dome tent uh, in most cases. Um, but we ensure, uh, by the tungsten series, we ensure that we still have space, uh, we have dual um, storage compartments at each end of the head and toe end um, and we then incorporate some gear lofts that come with the tent and also a diffuser light holding sleeve that's up in the top of the tent when you put your headlamp in it as obviously as we know headlamps can be quite directional when it hits the diffuser fabric it pushes the light out and it makes it more of an ambient space okay. it's called a light diffuser sleeve so that's a, that's a handy little feature. I mean, as you say, you, you, you end up getting blinded by the head torch if it's pointing in the wrong direction, but at least the, this one is going to, as you say, diffuse that light out. Yep. It's certainly a thing you need when you've got someone else in the tent with you, right? Um, so that's the tungsten 1, 2, 3, and 4. And then we sort of took the same footprint and shape and design, and then we incorporated it into what we call the UL series. So the UL stands for ultralight, so it's the same sort of family, same shape, same fundamental design but we've lightened everything up we've gone to an ultra light DAC Douglas aluminium pole um, which is one of the best pole producers in the world and um, we've lightened that right up we've gone to an ultra light uh, polyester mesh and polyester light floor um, you know we're going from a, what we call the, the traditional tungsten 2 weighs in at 2.5 kgs well the UL comes in at just on the UL comes in at 1500 grams okay so you're, okay, that's you're losing, full weight you're losing about a kilo you're losing about a kg but you've got the same design shape um, but what you do lose obviously you lose by going to an ultralight you end up with a lot more mesh so the usage drops down to like a you know a, a two season really to be fair unless you've got a really good floor mat and a really good sleeping bag yep. Um, yep. but ideally this, this kind of user is wanting it to be light pack yep. into their pack uh, fit for purposes we say um, but we still do big large double door D uh, entry doors shaped like a D um, so we still allow for a dual entrance it comes with a great vestibule space um, around about just just under a metre in square meterage on both sides um, all, colour, all our tents by the way are colour tabs so we have tabs on each pole corner so we know where we need to put the pole sets to make sure it is erected in the right direction um, just little little dinky things like our sleeves for gear storage are really lightweightly designed so you, you, you can see them in a tent but they don't stand out like some of our sort of 
base models like the yeah. tungsten and the catalyst do exist. Obviously, we've got the diffuser um, insert on that as well, and it's available in a one-person, two-person, and three-person. Yeah. And the one-person weighs in around about 800 grams, so it's a very ultralight tent. Um, obviously, the, tung- uh, the tungsten UL2 at just on 1.5 kgs, um, and then we have another tent in the UL series called the Super Alloy. Um, Super Alloy, again, a dual door, only available in a two-person and three-person, um, and this sits in around about 1.2, full weight, 1.2 kgs. Yep. Um, a lot of tents, or a lot of brands, forgive me, a lot of brands, when you look at their spec sheet, they'll have their minimum weight. Okay, minimum weight, in this case, would be just under a kg, really, for the Super Alloy two-person. Um, and what we have sort of one of the things we wanted to do there's a lot of myth about what is a tent weight why not just put the full weight end of the day the full weight's what people want to know yep. and if you want to reduce that weight you can and some of those weight you know reduction options are leave the sack at home leave the pole sack at home leave the um, tent peg sack at home uh, maybe take off the extra um, pole replacement uh pole sleeve or take the string out and leave that at home that's how you bring the weight down so when they talk about minimum minimum weight they're talking about all those things not being in the bag yep yeah they're talking about purely the fly the body and the and the poles and that doesn't even include pegs so when you look at a minimum weight you're talking about someone giving you a weight uh, story based on only the fly the body and the poles Okay. Well, a tent won't stand if you don't have the pegs, and a tent won't stand if you don't have the str- uh, the rope lines. And, um, you know, just in case, you might need a pole sleeve repair kit. So, so anyway, we took full body weight, um, and at 1.2, still ultralight, right, for a two-person tent. Now, does the, the Super LA2 come with a, a, a fly, or is that uh, without a fly? <laughs> no, it comes with a fly. With, uh, sorry, yeah. sorry, not to fly. Let me try that again. A footprint. So does the, uh, the Super LA tent come with a footprint as like the other tents? Or? No, so the UL series, all footprints are sold separately. Um, so if you're looking at our tungsten standard and our catalyst, and, of course, another tent we haven't talked about shortly is called well, they all do are sold with footprint included, yep. which is a great... Um, sort of add-on and you know they're roughly somewhere in that $99 to $129 price point when yep. you're talking about a fly on its own uh, a footprint on its own so a lot of great added value there to the product um, but the super alloy series really is those guys looking for minimalistic packing they want something that compresses really small it comes with a really small stuff sack um, when it's loaded you know we're talking I mean, I, I'm looking at a, probably around 40 centimetres in length maximum once you've got the pole sets in there. Yep. Um, we've talked about the weight already. Um, you know, if you're looking for something that's high performance, full waterproof, uh, tape seam sealed. So we use a, um, obviously all the coatings on flies are roughly around 1500 um, mm rated and all the floor bases or all floor tubs on all our tents are around about 2000 mm rated waterproof re- uh, reference yep so more than enough protection uh, in our environments that we both uh, that we use in uh, Australia um, alright now what are we looking at price wise on this one price rise on the super alloy is about ten ninety nine for the two person yep so it's at that higher price point but you are buying funny this isn't it you're buying something that's really light and a lot less featured but you're paying more <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is it's often the way you know the old the old uh, old adage of uh, price weight and uh, durability yes uh, yeah, and you pick where you want to sit in that you do i mean if you're really conscious on trying to reduce your pack weight um super alloy tents are the way to go right um i was so, sorry this the ultralight tents are the way to go and there's a lot playing in that realm and um hey, look, if you can reduce that weight for your back, you're going to walk longer and obviously you're going to have a lot less fatigue by the end of the time you get, by the time you get to set up your tent anyway. All right. Now, so moving on from tents, uh, looking at sleeping bags, um, I'm not familiar with the Marmot range of sleeping bags, so tell us a bit about those. Uh, Marmot bags, well, it's part of our heritage actually. Um, when you think about you know, Marmot's history, we started with, you know, we're, like I said, we're the first company to use Gore-Tex, and it was actually put into a sleeping bag. Um, 
We make bags from Expedition Everest right down to hanging out on the beach on a hot summer's day. Um, you know, we, we've used high-quality fabrics and we also use high-quality fulls. Um, Marmot has a series of bags from a 900... Now, we're talking down. Yep. We talk down series. Uh, all our down bags, down to the 650 fill, so we're talking 900 fill weights and 800 fill weights, uh, all goose down. Yep. Okay, 100% yep. goose down um, and are still filled in the USA. So they don't... Basically, they make the outer shells and then they've got a filling station. Well, it's actually within their head office. They've got a little lab there and there's someone in there filling it with 100% goose down. And the difference between what I mentioned by goose down was there's two fill rates, right? There's goose and duck. Duck, obviously, is again a byproduct of the meat industry, especially Asia. Um, it's a, Obviously, it's something that we still use because it is fit for purpose. It offers the best protection in for thermal quality or thermal ratio than in synthetic insulation. So, if you, you know, again, the word used is fit for purpose. Yep. Um, now, being that it's a byproduct of the meat industry, we've taken that down, we've treated it, and our goose down is treated five times, so it's washed and rinsed, washed and rinsed five times, and then we dry it out, and then we get it independently tested to get its complete fill weight. Um, once we've established that and the batch of down has been cleaned and we've got its weight to ratio fill weight we then allocate it to the bags that we're trying to uh, manufacture and in the series we got a, we're stocking in uh, Australia we're doing uh, the gas series now gas gas being helium, nitrogen uh, lithium we're talking about the light gases yep um, so we have a range of tents and a range of temperatures. And some of the features that we really focus on with our bags is that we're a traditional mummy bag. So mummy offers a lot of heat because we're confining the body to less movement and obviously a lot less uh, area for that temperature mass to escape to. Um, so we make mummy bags. Now mummy bags, a lot of people find them a little bit restrictive, but end of the day it for purpose, giving you more warmth, no way for heat to escape, so you can spend more comfort throughout the sleep where you're not being woken up by the shivering night. So um, we also, a couple of our little key elements of the bags, we use a traditional Nautilus hood. So the Nautilus hood's a hood used on expedition uh, jackets, so it wraps right around your hood. It has a full face uh, muff that pulls in and locks around it. We use a dual opening, so the bags flip open like a like a traditional like what's the word in Australia? A doner? What's the a word? A doona. A doona. So it opens up like a doona. So you can flip it open. So you can free your arms up nicely. They come with internal pockets to stash anything from uh, your chap lippy or your phone in that in modern cases. Um, everything has glow in the dark toggles so you can find it even in the dark so they have little glowy pull tabs so you can actually see what's going on and which zipper you're pulling on one will be cord and one will be tab so you know which zip what side of the bag you're operating from um, you'll have a flat cord so in the case of the hood if you're feeling around in the dark you can actually feel the cord and go oh that's my hood and pull on it and cinch is nice and tight and then on the bottom zipper you'll find that it's a cord, which is a round cord, so you can actually feel which one you're actually operating. Yep. All our bags have big, large, uh, two-inch draft tubes on the inside zippers, so there's no cold spots out. All our bags are EN-tested, so EN-testing uh, is the international standard for sleeping bag uh, standards, where we have uh, your comfort limit and extreme uh, ratings. Um, as I mentioned, we are RDS approved, so all our downers uh, meets the international standard for uh, sourcing down, and that's obviously, a, again, another sort of uh, part of being certified throughout the world. We have and, our and that's basically just to say that the, the animals have been, been treated as humanely, given that we are, we are killing them for meat, uh, but they're, 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 pluck, they're not live plucked and they're, they're being yes. done, treated that, the best that, they can. That term, live plucked, I mean... <laughs> You might find companies at a lower price point out in the market sourcing their down from you know those types of supply chains, but 
if you look at the top brands in the world, they're all RDS, so um, it's a standard. And we obviously want to be part of that, and everyone else does too. Uh, one of the other things we do do too is that we use, um, in this case we're looking at a bag called uh, the Hydrogen. Um, it's a minus one down bag. Obviously in a temperature rating, when you go into a, a, a sort of a higher temperature rating, the bag's smaller because there's less fill in it because you want the bag to operate in a warmer environment as opposed to a cold environment. So you have less down. Uh, we, in this case, we're using an 800 fill weight down bag, as I mentioned, filled in the USA. Um, all our down has been then treated with a DWR PFC-free uh, treatment. So the down plumes themselves have got a coating on them which allow uh, them to remain uh, in their true form and they repel water. So essentially they stay dry 10 times longer and dry 30 times faster than standard down without the treatment. Yep. Um, it's called uh, Down Defender. Um, and it's a process used when they wash the down. So um, it's used on all of our down products. Um, so we have a series of bags, the 800 series, which was the gas series as mentioned. Then we have the 650 range, um, which are our most colourful bags because <laughs> they are sort of focusing on our core. That's the middle of our seven bag series, um, ranging from minus 18, minus 9, minus 7, minus 4, and minus 1. Yep. Um, and they're all 650 filled down. And now that's a blend of uh, traditional duck and uh, all with the Defender as well. So yep. a really good product. Uh, but the feature sets are the same as the one I've just mentioned. They all have the double opening with the double flip openings. Um, but in the 650 fill, we have a new product being added on. And we have a footbox extension zipper, which okay. opens up the whole bottom of the... So it almost turns it into a, a rectangular bag rather than yeah, just a mummy. Correct. It, okay, it takes it. that mumminess away from your feet and allows you to open up some movement around the bottom of the bag. I, I must admit, with someone with size 15 feet, I mean, I do, do love mummy bags, but yeah, I know a lot of people don't, so that'll be a, quite a good feature for people. Yeah, and quite often the problem with some of the sleeping bags too, when you're in them, with, especially with feet of size 15 or something, when you're asleep, there's nothing worse than having pressure down on your toes because what it does, I mean, naturally, when you lay down on your back, what happens? Your feet splay out, right? Yeah. And your feet don't tend to stand upright at your full length 15. They roll outwards, so the length shortens anyway. But what happens if it's too, if the fabric's too tight, puts pressure on your feet, and you end up with achy legs, and that's not a very nice thing to happen by the time you wake up in the morning. Okay. So they're pretty much, I mean, I know a lot of companies will take the attitude that the, uh, that as you change the down fill to a, a 650 down or a, 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 even a, a lesser quality down, you start taking features off as well. So with these bags, the features... No features like, lost. No features lost. So it's just the, the, I suppose, the size it packs down to is pretty much what That's it is. A, so when you're looking at an 800 loft versus 650 loft, the difference is compressibility. Yep. Um, 800 down tends to be lighter. You don't need as much of it to get the same loft value as a 650 would. So therefore, you're going to operate a bag that's going to give you, uh, in the sense of the 800 series, they're going to be lighter, more compressible, so therefore smaller in your backpack. Yep. When you move to a 650, there's a lot more down in it yep. um, because you need a lot more down to get the same temperature value back. What's the word? Temperature protection back. Um, so that's why we have a series of temperature rating bags. But as you're standing beside me now, we're looking at a minus 80 never summer sleeping bag. Yep. It is huge. Like, yep. if you pick it up, we are picking it up, by the way, there, listeners. Yeah. Yeah, there's, it's there's, got, there's, there's a lot, lot in there, isn't there? There's a lot of loft in there. There's yeah. a lot of feather. Um, and hence the, te- the weight goes up because we're adding a lot more to it. So, you know, this never summer sleeping bag is an example. It's a minus 80 bag rated. 1780 grams, yep, and yep. this is a 650 down bag, so but you're going to be really warm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. It looks like a very warm bag, but as you say, you're, you're getting heading up towards the two kilo mark on the you on are, the bag, so. and then you roll down to our sawtooth, which is our minus nine bag, you know, drop the weighting weight drops down to 1300 grams. Um, but you still got a bag that's going to cover 900, uh, sorry, a minus nine sleeping light, so. Really good in between it. It's one of our best sellers, the Sawtooth, because it fits so many users from that kind of, you know, if you're sleeping in a, on a, a tent or a bunk bed or slash, uh, what's the word over here, the a stretcher. Yep. If you're in a stretcher, the bag's going to do well. But if you're on a good thermal mat, you're going to get the same 
as long as the thermal mat's fine, a minus nine bag will treat you for, I'd say, 98% of your outdoor activities, really. Yep. Uh, unless you're in the snow line a lot. Yep. 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 Um, but te- like I said, temperature ratings roll down to, we also do a woman's specific range. Now, why would you do a woman's specific range? Tim, some people might ask. Well, there's a reason. Women have a different shape. Their hip lines are lower. Uh, obviously their centre of gravity is lower but also their hip lines vary but they tend to be quite wide right on the um, the low point so our bags are shaped specifically for women so they're slightly shorter in, in stature but slightly wider around the hip waist and that allows them to get the movement they need inside the bag without being restrictive um, and there's also a little bit more room around the breast area so that just allows a little bit more fabric so it can allow that space just on body shapes that allow them to get the comfort they need. So we have a bag called the Angel Fire, which is a minus four seating bag, very woman-specific colours, um, but the shape is definitely rounded and a little bit more shaped to the female anatomy, Yep. Um, which is quite unique too. Not many people are doing that or companies are doing that. Um, but we also have bags that go up to that minus one, which is a good Australian bag actually because it covers a lot of temperature ratings around. If you're into down versus synthetic, um, we do have those options. Also synthetic, um, you know, we have a couple of bags here called the Trestles Elite Ecos, and they're a hundred percent recycled fill and recycled fabric. So synthetic based, um, two temperature ratings minus one, and the other one minus seven. So we have the twenty and thirty Eco thirty Eco twenty. Um, the weight, roughly, you know, you're looking at a eight hundred and fifty-five gram synthetic bag down to a minus one um, temperature rating. 100% polyester shell and lining fabric, uh, recycled fabrics. Um, And we use a blend of sort of a mid and soft feel high loft. Now the difference is uh, synthetics, well... Do we all know the difference between synthetics and down? We'd hope. We, we. Oh, I think we pretty. We're, I think I've drilled that into most people most enough users. by now. So I mean, I know a lot, of, a lot of the higher companies will use the synthetic bags. They yep. just tend to be a bit more robust. Um, they. I'm surprised at the weight on those because a lot of synthetic bags tend to be a lot heavier. But these these weights are quite good. But I'm guessing they don't pack down as well as the the down bags. Never going to pack down as good as the down. But they damn close actually. To be fair, the Trestles Elite series. We sell a lot of them in Australia because it covers that, like you said, those guys that are looking for something more durable, maybe in a sort of more humid and damper areas where, you know, vapor's trapped or doesn't escape as much. You, you know, the humidity is a big killer, obviously, because that gets into the down. It can slow down its performance. Um, and obviously, with synthetic, it doesn't really matter. If it's wet, it still performs. It's still going to give you the thermal value you need. Um, but again, as we talked about the features, the features are all here too, from our high-end bag right through that synthetic story. Um, and we're talking uh, 299 for the minus 7 and 249 for the minus 1. Okay. So that's super good value price. That's a good price bag. And then the last series in the range is called the Nanowaves. Now, Nanowaves are your traditional... We call them hostel bags or you call them travel bags if you're going into Bali or in, you know, anywhere in that Indonesian area and you want a bag that's compact. Um, temperature ratings, you know, anywhere from, I think where our, our coldest bag goes down to minus four, yep. uh, which is the tr- narrow wave 25. Uh, and then we have the, in this case, we have another one called the nano wave 55, um, which is basically your seven degree, sorry, your 13 degree bag. So it's a, it's a summertime bag. It's a summertime much. bag, yep. but look at the size of it. You know, yep. it's smaller than a loaf of bread. Um, great for someone just travelling, lightweight backpacking, or in the back of the car. They need a little, you know, a little sleep on the side of the road. They can pull one of those out. And they can throw them over, and it's made of a, um, it's a knitted dry climb. It's like a fleece. It's a micro fleece um, with a nice uh, polyester face fabric on it. So it's got a nice feel for it. It sits on your body well. They compact uh, hand wise. You pick it up and you go, well, actually, it's got a fantastic feel to it. Um, the inside fabric. And that's down at the foot end. Um, you'll find... And now he's gone and done something he doesn't want to do. So that the brushed fleece on the side, which has then been reversed, so it's got a sheeny feel to it. So it's got a nice hand. feels great on their skin. Not slippery, slippery, but just a nice feel. And we make a whole range of them. 
you know, from uh, minus four right up to plus 13. Um, and they've been a nice compressed little sack, really lightweight. And great for those people just wanting a bag that covers a bit of everything at a price point. Or, right. or below $200. Alright, that's good. Okay, from there we'll move on to rainwear. And, and, and as most people who listen to this podcast will be aware, we're, both John and I are fans of the uh, Marmot Precept jackets. Um, but Marmot do quite a, a good range of gear. And in fact, the... the the jacket that's just been pulled up for to have us look at is the colour that I've got, um, which is this, I won't say it's lime green, but it's a, it's a brightish sort of green sort of colour. Yeah, it's foliage is the term we have named the jacket colour, but um, it's a more of an attritional green. Now, Precip is, Marmot was, funny enough, about 20 years ago, the industry was really focused on three-layer heavyweight backpack jackets, right? It was really hard to find an ultralight jacket that had a, a met lightweight um, scales, B was still functional and kept you dry, um, and C met a price point. So Marmot introduced a jacket called the Precip. Precip being precipitation. Um, it had to meet a couple of areas. It had to be lightweight, price uh, effective, um, and able to compress into a small space. So they introduced a jacket with Precip. It was a hit from the outset. Um, it does have a couple of great features. It is a, uh, uses a nylon face fabric, which has got a ripstop in it, so it's tough for the weight. Super durable. Um, only weighs 265 grams now, so it's had a weight loss. A couple, oh, 285 grams, sorry. Um, it is very... I would say it is one of the best featured jackets for the price point. Now, the reason for that, it has all your standard features. It comes with a hood, which is stowable, so we can store the hood away and you can make it look a little bit smarter when you're walking around in the streets on a wet day with a hat on. Um, so it has a nice hood that tucks away um, with a nice peak on it just to keep the rain out. And also pit sips on both sides. Now, why pit sips? Well, you need pit sips. You need, vent- you need air to pass through the garment to push air around on the inside, vapour mainly. So we have two large pit slips on the jacket. We also have two large pockets around the waistline. Now these pockets are mesh as well, so you can open those up too to let a little bit more air circulate through the shell. Um, they also take a one litre Nalgene bottle that will fit inside that okay. as well. Okay, I hadn't actually thought about that. that, that that's yeah. how big the pockets are, so they'll take a one litre Nalgene bottle. Um, it also stores in its left pocket too, so it's got a two-way zipper on it. So you can stuff the whole jacket on the inside into the into the actual um, pocket. Um, it's also got a, a little sneaky thing called angel wing movement. So they've got a specific pattern cut that allows the jacket to move and not ride up the body when you lift your arm. Um, it's called angel wing, okay. and it's unique to Marmot. I must admit, having worn a, a precept jacket for the last eight years, I just haven't thought about that. So uh, it, it makes sense, particularly when you, when you look at it and see it in action. Yep, so when it's in action, the jacket, basically when you lift your sleeve, it doesn't pull the jacket up, so you don't get any rise or any exposed skin. And really, women love it, because it does give them a little bit more protection, they feel comfortable in it. It's about a mid-length jacket, we call it the 29 centre, 29 inch centre back, so from your centre of your back to the drop of your, the tail of the jacket covers just over, just over the bottom area. Um, value for money. Uh, currently priced at... 179 in Australia. Super good value. I must admit, as I said, Jill and I have been big fans of the Precip jacket. I've I've actually used the Precip in 100 kilometre hour torrential rain, uh, and apart from water hitting me in the face, that's the only only pl- any place that was getting wet. Everything else was staying pretty dry. So they they certainly do function really well. And I think yeah, I think the other thing too, Tim, I forgot to mention. Maybe we should have had a, just a little brief sort of discussion about how they rate jackets and how jackets are constructed, but. The Precip is a jacket that's got a coating on the inside. Okay, Now, if you look traditional jackets and what they call waterproofing, there's two methods. There's coatings and then there's lamination. So the coating process is when they get a face fabric. In this case, it's nylon ripstop. Then they apply a coating. Now, the coating is polyurethane, but it's microporous polyurethane. So it's got a... In other words, on the inside of that coating, when it hits the nylon... It's really porous. It's got a really, op- uh, sorry, microporous. So it's a smaller um, smaller coating 
and then they put a second coating on it which has got a bit open porous so what happens in that process is vapor can still pass through it yep. because it's got a porous structure to it um, but when it's against the fabric it's got a smaller uh, porous structure um, so it stops water from passing through it because water vapor or sorry a water drop that's bigger than a uh, air, than air, vapor. air vapor so it sits on the fabric as opposed to pushing through the fabric and that's how they call it waterproofing um, it's a coating only so yes it's a great jacket and it has um, the ability to to obviously keep you dry um, it does reduce the durability over a long period of time because it is only a coating when we talk about when we talk about layering or sorry, uh, lamination, then we're talking about a jacket that's got a, a membrane fabric in between. Two co- fabrics, so a nylon, then a lamination of the uh, waterproof membrane, and then they add another coating on the inside, or fabric on the inside, to protect you, protect it from body oils and etc. Um, so then we're talking about Gore-Tex. Gore-Tex yep. is a membrane that's been applied to the face fabric, and then it has another fabric on the inside of that to protect that membrane. More durable, um, is it as more waterproof or durable, uh, breathable than a precip? No, they're pretty much the same. But the difference is, Gore-Tex uh, has the ability to have a higher uh, waterproof um, level of protection over a period of time, and it's purely because it's a membrane on. It's a pure membrane, so it is more durable in that sense as well. Yep. So we go from a entry-level precip right up to a high-performance Gore-Tex jacket. Which you know, from four hundred ninety-nine dollars down to three ninety-nine, you're going to get an option on both Gore-Tex and in our other proprietary fabrics called Precip. Uh, Precip is our proprietary waterproof uh, coating that we yep. use on our jackets, and also available in a pant, which I believe you've been using as well. Yeah, much. I've just started using the uh, the Precip rain pants uh, just before Christmas in two thousand twenty-two, um, and again, love it. It's it's a good jacket, and, and one of the, my big things I look for when I get rain pants is can I get my size 15 feet with shoes on through the through the actual pants without having to take them off and, and yes I can so the, I'm glad you can do that <laughs> I, I, do, I, I have to be careful but I can certainly do it whereas some uh, some of the cheaper rainwear options you've got to basically take your shoes off which is the last thing you want to do in wet muddy conditions yeah exactly so we do have plenty of options there and in fact one of our biggest categories is rain shell um, and we've introduced a new product too called the Minimalist Pro. So the Minimalist has been our staple jacket that's been in the market for well over 15 years. It's a high-performance, pack-like Gore-Tex jacket. Um, it's at a great price point of uh, $399. Sorry. Um, still comes with pit zip and multiple pocket choices. It's a good crossover between urban and uh, traveller-style shaping and design. Yep. But we've bought in a jacket called the Pro. Now the Pro, or Minimalist Pro is a traditional backpack jacket you'll notice the zippers are really high for backpack use so the backpack straps come under you can still access your pockets and notice there is no pockets around the waist area where you put your backpack because this jacket's designed to be used for multiple days with a backpack on and it's a pro because it has got a new um, inner treatment that allows a lot more durability so it goes to a three layer Whereas the minimalist standard is only a 2.5 layer. Yep. So it's more durable, um, handles pack and multiple use heavy loads. Um, it's Obviously it's a Gore-Tex product, so we call it Pack Light Plus. Um, and it's just hit the markets in Australia and retails for $4.79. So okay. a really good price point and fits that kind of gap between jumping into that really high-end multiple three layers where you're talking another $400, $500 in price yeah, point. Yeah. And, and it's a fantastic piece because it is what has been missing, right, in the middle. The jacket that does a bit of everything okay. and still giving you that protection you need. All right, that's good. Okay, so we're talking from Dan uh, from Marmot about the range of Marmot products. And certainly, uh, as I said, yeah, we're starting to see more and more Marmot products. Uh, they've always been on the market, but they, it seems to be increasing in, in a lot of stores around the country. So thanks very much for taking the time of chatting with us. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. Enjoy your day.
So that was our first interview since we've been doing these recordings with Marmot. Uh, and uh, I've been trying to touch base with them for a number of years, but for one reason or another, things just didn't quite work out. As I mentioned, you know, the rain jackets for Marmot are really well known. And from our perspective, uh, the Marmot Precip has been our rain jacket of choice for many years. Uh, but they do have much more on offer. So their range of tents, ranging from the entry level to the mid-level to the ultralight level, uh, really provides uh, a range of product uh, in pricing and in weight and in features that's pretty much going to suit anyone. In addition, things like the sleeping bags, which I wasn't very familiar with at all, full-featured bags across the range, but really it's a matter of uh, price, weight, and bulk, depending on what material uh, is being used uh, in the bags themselves. And they are very bright, colourful bags. There's no doubt about that. They're the traditional hiking, and I'll say in in, in air quotes here, sleeping bags tend to be very uh, monotone in colour, uh, but marmot tend to go uh, a bit more brighter uh, just to create a point of difference. Uh, so there's some good features on them. And again, I'm hoping to be able to test some of these uh, along with the tents in the coming months. I think it, it's quite interesting from my perspective in relation to things like companies like marmot. As uh, uh, Dan said, they've been around for about 50 years, but really from an Australian perspective, They're a company that isn't as well known as a lot of other brands, but is slowly gaining traction and becoming more and more common, and you're finding the product in more and more stores. So again, it's worthwhile looking at this uh, if you're into either tents or sleeping bags or, as as Dan said, underwear and clothing, the whole lot. uh, It's worthwhile having a look at it uh, next time you come across it. Now, this was the second of our podcast episodes for 2023, and I think the thing that really um, came to me is that when you think that there is no more features that they could possibly come out with, the companies just seem to keep on coming out with new things that you didn't think you needed or new features which which you think, why didn't someone come out with that before? Uh, And it's not just one company that's doing this. It's all the companies are certainly putting the time and effort into creating uh, not revolutionary changes, but just that slight evolution where you get – uh, increase in capacity of lighting, compactness or features on sleeping bags. The tent range is forever evolving with uh, different materials being used. And certainly in keeping an eye on what's happening in the equipment market with uh, outdoor gear, there is a lot of new stuff still to hit the market over the next few years. Uh, and I think it's one of those sort of things that we're not going to come to a grinding halt with new innovations that keep on hitting the market. We hope you've enjoyed this series of two podcast episodes Uh, and again, barring any unforeseen circumstances and we'll be back in 2024 uh, at the next series of expos uh, forecast for early next year to record interviews to find out about the new and exciting product coming online. Okay, we hope you've enjoyed this episode and the episode 249. That's all for this week. Bye for now.